This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College. Join them for two weeks digging up dinosaur bones from the Jurassic period in Northwest Colorado this summer. For details, go to cncc.edu slash dinodig. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the all-in-one language app. With Rosetta Stone, you'll have everything you need to learn a language and use it in the real world. They offer immersive lessons, writing prompts, and engaging activities to prepare you for real-life conversations. You can pick and choose the lessons that work best for you and create a personalized experience that's both fun and engaging. Get ready for life's adventures with 50% off for I Know Dino listeners at rosettastone.com dino. Hello and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Garrett. And I'm Sabrina. And today we're going to be talking about Dinochirus, which is a very interesting dinosaur, and some news. First in the news, we have a story that comes out of China. There was a truck, like a tractor trailer, carrying some large dinosaur models on a highway, and when it got to a toll booth, they realized that the dinosaur models weren't strapped down properly, and they were way too tall to be on the truck. So there were eight very large dinosaur models, and the driver got a 200 yuan fine, which is quite a bit of money for an average Chinese driver, but it's equivalent to 32 U.S. dollars. There's actually footage of the crazy truck full of (laughs) dinosaur models sticking out of it posted online, and we have a link in our show notes. Another news story that came out is that dark matter may have contributed to killing off the dinosaurs. Although scientists don't know exactly what dark matter is, it has a gravitational pull on objects in space, which is how they know that it exists in the first place. Yeah, there's um, theories about how much dark matter there is in the universe, and I think the latest theories show that there's probably more dark matter than there is regular matter because when you look at the way solar systems and celestial bodies move, you can't account for it with just regular matter. So every once in a while one of these stories comes out and they talk about how dark matter affects orbits of things and potentially without dark matter this and that would happen or maybe dark matter is why you know, a comet is coming by Earth, but it's highly speculative. In dinosaur era news, there's an ichthyosaur skeleton that's been sitting in a museum in England, specifically at the Doncaster Museum and Art Gallery. And for 30 years it's been sitting there, and they thought that it was either a copy or just a fake in the back room of the museum, but they realized just now that it's actually a real fossil. And not only that, but it's actually a brand new species that had never been discovered before. So for 30 years, that's been sitting there waiting for someone to notice it. And they just did. So this species is 189 million years old. And the fossil was originally found off of Dorset's Jurassic Coast in the early 80s. And they're not sure how people started thinking it was a plastic replica. 
It's been named Ichthyosaurus anagay to honor the British collector Mary Anning, who first collected Ichthyosaurus in the early 1800s. National Geographic this week answered the question, how long-necked dinosaurs drank water without getting dizzy. So there's no evidence that giant sauropods like Brachiosaurus drank water, but according to Casey Holliday of the University of Missouri's Department of Pathology and Anatomical Sciences, they obviously could. Like giraffes and long-necked birds, these sauropods probably had some valves in their necks to help regulate the blood going to and from the head, but there's no actual physical evidence of this. Humans have something kind of similar in their legs that prevents blood from pooling in your feet. There are some small valves that keep the blood from pooling and it helps circulate and basically make it a one-way flow in certain areas. So obviously sauropods would need a more extreme version of this because it had such a long neck and if it went down, its head would be so far out its heart, it would need quite a series of valves to keep everything working properly. Another theory on how they drink, so giraffes, for example, have a hard time drinking, but they only have to drink every few days, and they get most of their water from their plants. So sauropods might have been able to get water from the plants that they ate all day. The last piece of news is not huge news, and it's not even all that surprising, but the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which publishes the magazine Science, did a study all over the U.S. that measured the average noise level in 1.5 million hours of acoustical monitoring. And they did it all throughout the country to see where the quiet places were, where the loud places were. And their goal was basically to see what kind of impact noise might have on animals. But during the investigation, they noted that one of the quietest places in the country is in Dinosaur National Monument. And when we visited there, it was very quiet and pretty cool because it's so remote. It's on the border between Colorado and Utah. The nearest like city you can actually get a hotel in is called Vernal, Utah, which until really recently was tiny. But there's been a little bit of an oil boom there, so there's a few people there now. Um, but it's definitely worth visiting, and now you can add another reason to it is that it's very serenely quiet. The Morrison Formation is by far the most famous Jurassic site in the United States, and I would argue in the world. Especially for sauropods. It does have some fantastic sauropods. They are spread across multiple states, and the Morrison Formation covers a good portion of western Colorado, and that's where this week's sponsor, the Colorado Northwestern Community College, or CNCC, comes in. Possibly the most famous sauropod from the Morrison Formation is Brachiosaurus, and the Morrison Formation also includes two other very famous dinosaurs, Allosaurus and Stegosaurus, and CNCC actually has an active dig site right now with all three of those amazing dinosaurs in one site. Nice. And even better, you can join them digging up those bones this summer. They're offering 16-day field programs where you can dig up bones with expert local paleontologists from the college. There's two scheduled digs. The first one's July 6th to July 20th. The second one is July 22nd to August 5th. But they are filling up, so be sure that you sign up now. 
You can go to cncc.edu slash dinodig to get all the details. Make sure you register online by May 31st, but do it even sooner because, again, those spots are going to be full soon. Again, that's cncc.edu slash dinodig. This episode is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, world-class language learning for the world's best moms. It's almost Mother's Day after all. We're going to continue our story from last time about our trip to the Taipei Zoo in Taiwan. Yeah, we definitely recommend the Taipei Zoo in Taiwan. They have a really cool dinosaur museum featuring all the highlights like Deinonychus, T-Rex, Triceratops. So we had a really great time. And then we decided to take the train back and we had some more aha moments with our language learning journey. Yeah, we had to read some maps to navigate home. And of course, a lot of the things are translated into English, but not everything is translated. So it helps a lot if you know some of the local language. It's also very nice to be able to understand announcements when you're on public transportation. Yes, because things can change sometimes. And as a bonus, we were on the train at the time when everyone was coming home from work. So I got to practice even more by listening in on conversations. Not that I was trying, but we were elbow to elbow with people. So it was hard not to hear what they were saying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there wasn't anything too juicy. Mostly people talking about what they're going to have for dinner. But a lot of the early phrases I learned in Chinese had to do with food. So I felt pretty good about what I could understand. And Rosetta Stone can help you have your own proud moments. Yes, and the lessons are short, so you can fit them into your busy schedule. And for a limited time, you can get all of Rosetta Stone's 25 language courses for just $179, which is a huge discount off of the usual $399. And you can do that at rosettastone.com dino. Again, that's rosettastone.com dino. Our dinosaur of the day is Dinochirus myrificus, and that name means terrible hand. It lived in the Cretaceous about 70 million years ago, and originally in 1965, only its arms were found in Mongolia's Gobi Desert. So for many years, paleontologists kept returning to the formation where the arms were found to try to find the rest of the body, but it wasn't until 2009 that anyone found anything, which made this dinosaur a huge mystery. So for 50 years, all they knew about it was that it had two giant arms, and each arm was eight feet long with three eight-inch claws. So of course, there were a lot of theories on what kind of dinosaur this was. Some people thought it was a T-Rex because of the claws, or it was a giant sloth-like creature. Others thought that it might be over 100 feet long. Yeah, I remember going to museums and seeing replicas of these arms and claws with little statements like, who knows what kind of creature had these arms? And all the things I had imagined aren't even close to as interesting as what the animal actually is like. So Young Nam Lee from the Korea Institute of Geoscience and Mineral Resources and his team found Dinochirus in August 2009 at Mongolia's Nemeg Formation. Poachers had already taken bones from the site, but... They had left the arm of Dinochirus in a mostly complete skeleton, but it was missing parts of its spine, right arm, and hands. So Dr. Phil Curry, who we had on the show in episode 4 about Tarbosaurus, was part of that team, and he said that they liked investigating looted quarries because they sometimes found things of significance. In 2011, a Belgian scientist called Curry because he thought he had found the missing Dinochirus fossils. It turned out to be from the same specimen that they had already found in 2009, which is really interesting. Dr. Sugbiter Chinzorig of the Mongolian Academy of Sciences Paleontological Center and his colleagues were the ones who analyzed and put together the fossils. 
Dinochirus was described in Nature Journal in 2014, which is how it made the list of 2014 biggest dinosaur discoveries. Originally, Dinochirus was classified as Carnosauria in the theropod group because of those big arms with their imposing claws. But now it's considered to be a primitive Ornithomimosaurian related to Garudmimus and Beishanlong in the family Dinochiridae. Both Dinochirus and Spinosaurus are examples of dinosaurs that look completely different from what scientists originally thought. In both cases, the mistakes were made by trying to infer what an animal may have looked like or how it behaved based on similar relatives. But like we talked about in the Spinosaurus episode, it's completely different than some of its closest relatives. And according to the paleontologist Lee, quote, Dinochirus was much weirder than anyone could have imagined, which he uses as a cautionary tale from predicting what a body looks like based on partial skeletons. So the dinosaur has been likened to Jar Jar from Star Wars because it was big and slow and it had a beak. Dinochirus was about 11 meters or 35 feet long and weighed about 6 tons, which is about the size of a T-Rex, although a little smaller. It didn't have a strong bite like T-Rex, and instead it had a duck-like mouth with no teeth. So Dinochirus walked upright on its two legs because it had its, you know, its front arms were actually like arms, so it didn't use them to hold its weight, and it walked with its arms out in front of it. Dinochirus had a narrow body, and it had ten neck vertebrae that were low and long, but they got shorter as they got farther away from the skull, and that seems to mean that Dinochirus had an S-curved back, kind of like a goose or something. Dinochirus had 12 back vertebrae, and much like Spinosaurus, they had a similar ratio of height of neural spines to the vertebrae. Dr. Chin Zorig said that Dinochirus had tall dorsal spines like Spinosaurus, truncated hoof-like claws on its feet so it wouldn't sink in muddy grounds, and bulky hind legs like tyrannosaurids with sauropod-like hips and a hadrosaur-like <laughs> duck bill. Yeah, so when I hear that, I immediately think of the platypus with the duck bill and all the other parts of different animals smooshed together into just a nonsensical animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's also been described as having a camel-like hump instead of a sail like a Spinosaurus, although it would have been thicker than the sail of a Spinosaurus, and the neck of an ostrich. Yeah, super weird. Although, when we talked about Spinosaurus, we mentioned that there were some that theorized it had a camel-like hump, too. So I'm curious to see if, as time goes on, they decide that maybe it was more like the Spinosaurus. And the duck-like bill that it had was round and had a flat beak that was covered in keratin. Its lower jaw was much bigger and deeper compared to its slender upper jaw, so I guess it had kind of an up underbite. And its upper jaw was similar in size to a Tyrannosaur, but like we mentioned, it didn't have much biting force by comparison. Dinochirus had blunt short claws that were similar to the Therizinosaur Alchosaurus, and it used the claws for digging and gathering plants. It also had a tail fused into a piga style, which supports tail feathers in modern birds, so probably had a fan of tail feathers in addition to its beak and be hump. <laughs> <laughs> so Dinochirus is technically an ornithomimosaur, 
which is the word for ostrich-like dinosaur, and they're known for being fast, but Dinochirus is too big to be fast, so it was pretty slow, actually, even compared to humans. Most ostrich-like dinosaurs were only a little bit bigger than people, but this thing, if you look at a picture of it next to a human, it, it looks like a T-Rex, you know, we're dwarfed by the thing. So the fact that it evolved so giant is probably why it looks so weird. Lee and his team found bite marks on the Dinochirus, which makes them think that they were prey for the actual Tyrannosaur that was around in the time and places the same time and place as them, which is Tarbosaurus. Dr. Curry, who we got to interview and talked at length about Tarbosaurus, said that Dinochirus's giant size probably helped protect it from Tarbosaurus. Dinochirus is probably a mega omnivore, which means that it pretty much ate everything it found. <laughs> Dinochirus ate soft plants, especially ones that grew at the bottom of streams and lakes. It probably used its duck bill to get at them, and then sucked up the plants with its big tongue inside its lower jaw. To grind up the food, it swallowed stones that we've mentioned before called gastroliths, like ostrich and other modern birds do. And Leanna's team found over 1,400 of those gastroliths inside the Dinochirus specimens that they discovered. They also found fish remains, which means Dinochirus probably spent a lot of time in freshwater and, again, could eat anything. So fish, small vertebrates, and plants. It's been described as a garbage disposal type of dinosaur that probably used its large hands to either dig for food or pull down branches. Yeah, it's about the last thing you'd imagine when you see these huge clawed hand is digging for, like, garbage to eat. But, uh, yeah, there you go. So Dinochirus is one of the largest ornithomimosaurs, but it had hollow bones to keep it lightweight. And of bipedal dinosaurs, it had the largest arms. Dinochirus was probably diurnal, and... It also had a pretty small brain size compared to its body, and actually the ratio of brain to body size is similar to that of sauropods, which is not like other ornithomimosaurs that had proportional size <laughs> brains. Yeah, and if you think about sauropods, kind of like a big cow, they don't really have to think too much because they're just grazing all day, and that kind of matches with uh, Dinochirus's lifestyle of just grazing on everything around rather than, you know, running and hunting or things the theropod would do that they originally thought it was. So Dinochirus is part of the family Dinochiridot, which lived about 115 to 69 million years ago. They were named because of Dinochirus's unique arms, and again, originally scientists thought Dinochirus was a carnosaur. As we mentioned, Dinochiridot is part of the group Ornithomimosaurus. Ornithomimosaurus skulls were small with large eyes and slender necks. Most of them had toothless beaks, although some primitive species had teeth. Ornithomimosaurus had long arms with powerful claws, so Dinochirus actually had that in common with the rest of its cousins. <laughs> but its long hind limbs and strong toes and hoof-like claws made them some of the fastest dinosaurs, and they had feathered, not scaly hides. Another thing they might have had in common. Yeah, it's over that speed. 
Ornithomimosaurs ate plants, and many of them have been found with gastrolists in their stomachs, like Dinochirus. There were so many of them, which is why scientists think they were herbivores, but they could have also been omnivores and eaten small animals. Ornithomimosaurs may have been cuthemoral, which means they were active during the day at short intervals, and this, again, is something else Dinochirus does not have in common with them, since it was probably diurnal. Our fun fact of the day is... Based on the dinosaurs' bone structures that we've discovered, scientists believe dinosaurs lived to be between 75 and 300 years old, which is amazing. I'm jealous. And that wraps up this episode of I Know Dino. From now until March 15th, we're running a giveaway. Prizes include a $50 gift card to iTunes, a free copy of Dr. Anthony J. Martin's book, Dinosaurs Without Bones, and a free copy of the documentary Dinosaur 13. To enter, go to inodino.com slash podcast giveaway, where you can review our podcast on iTunes, view our Facebook page, join our mailing list, and tweet us or follow us at inodino. And you get more entries depending on which ones you do. You get the most entries by reviewing us on iTunes. And we haven't had very many submissions so far, so the odds are good that you might win something if you go there and enter. So everyone should go. Until next time. Good day.